Well, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for leading us, and I'm glad that you're with us. My name is Daniel, and I'm one of the pastors. And welcome to our one-month anniversary of Virtual Sunday Morning, uh, Virtual Church. Uh, thanks for streaming with us wherever you are. Thanks for putting a pause on watching Tiger King on Netflix. I know all of you have been watching Tiger King this week. Thanks for putting a pause on your Disney Plus movies so that you can worship with us this morning. I, I really am glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're with us. If you are a first-time guest uh, in one of our services, I hope you feel welcomed. I hope you know we really do want to connect with you. Uh, I can't wait till we are together again in person so that we can see each other, hear each other, and be together. I miss that. I, who knows when that's going to be, but I hope it's sooner than later. Today is Palm Sunday. It is the day that marks the beginning of Holy Week. It is the week Christians celebrate Jesus entering Jerusalem where he would lay his life down in death on a cross, which we will celebrate on Friday, known as Good Friday. Three days later, Jesus would rise to new life and victory over death, which we will celebrate next Sunday, Easter Sunday. Fleming Rutledge says Palm Sunday is the Trojan horse of the Christian year. That we get drawn in by the festivity of children waving palm branches, leading us to sing Hosanna, but it isn't long before we are all attacked by the reality of the crucifixion of Christ. Palm Sunday does not exist by itself. It introduces us to the rest of this holy week. We're invited to follow Jesus in the last days of his earthly life. We're invited on Palm Sunday to accompany him with shouts of Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But we're quickly reminded that glad Hosannas can turn into vicious cries of crucify him, crucify him. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John all Holy Week. This morning, we're going to look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12 is the aha moment. It is the unfolding and the revealing of the gospel surprise that no one saw coming. I'm going to read the passage that immediately follows the passage of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. So if you have a Bible, I hope you do, or a phone, look up John chapter 12, verse 20 through 33. It is our custom to stand, and, and so if you're comfortable enough to stand in your homes, I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to the Word of God. John 12, 20 through 33. Now among those who went up to worship the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. 
Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from this earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. The prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, I ask that you would take the living, breathing, active word of God and illumine our minds, transform our hearts, speak to us right where we are. I pray that that we would see and know Jesus because you have been with us. You have revealed yourself to us this morning in your word. I, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing to you this morning. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've seen uh, some of the spins corporations have put on their iconic logos in light of coronavirus. The Olympics, which is the logo of five rings overlapping, has now been redesigned to have all the rings separated, showing our global separation. Starbucks manipulated their logo to have the iconic woman wearing a mask. The NBA, which is the logo of a person dribbling a ball, manipulated its logo to have a person lying down using a computer. Corona beer, it's tough to be Corona right now, manipulated their logo to say, need new name. I think they do. Goodyear Tires manipulated, redesigned their logo to say, bad year tires. Bad year. My wife and I have been having conversations around the reality that everybody's going to look back at this time and everyone will remember 2020 as the year of COVID-19. 2020 is the year that the whole world stopped. We've been joking how we're going to be telling stories to our grandchildren about this year. Every one of us, when we're 70, 80, 90 years old, will be talking about the year 2020. There will be stories of suffering, people getting sick and dying, stories of hardship, people experiencing financial burdens, stories of loss, plans and dreams that had to be canceled, stories of relational strain within roommates or marital fighting, stories of emotional and mental turmoil, depression and addiction. I want to share with you this morning through our text that I believe 2020 can and will be more than just the year of COVID-19. In our passage, the Greeks who are worshiping, they ask Philip a, a wonderful and a beautiful question. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. My hope for all of us is that 2020, yes, marked by suffering, hardship, and loss, but through these things, God might graciously open our eyes and open our hearts to see Jesus more than we ever have, to know Christ more than we ever have. The Lord has given us this holy week to really see and to know Jesus. This week, it reveals the fullness of who our God is as we focus on the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. I believe this holy week in the year of 2020 as we focus on the cross and the empty tomb, can lead us to tell stories when we're 70, 80, and 90 about how even in the midst of suffering and uncertainty, we saw and we experienced Jesus in new and profound ways.
So go with me into John chapter 12, our passage this morning, right before the passage that I read in John 12, verse 19. It says that the religious leaders of Jesus' day say to, one another, say to one another, look, the world has gone after Jesus. And then the first verse of our passage says that there were Greeks who went to worship. Here we see something happening in its infancy that will soon become a full-blown reality. Jesus is drawing not only Israel, not only Jews to trust and follow him, but Gentile nations. The kingdom of Jesus will be made up of every tongue, tribe, and nation, a worldwide community. It's already mentioned the Greeks who are worshiping come to Philip and they ask him a question. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. This is a verse, by the way, that many preachers inscribe on their pulpit. Because every preacher must believe the question being asked of them every time they open up the word of God is, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And therefore, the responsibility and the prayer of the preacher every time is that Jesus would be preached, that Jesus would be seen. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. What a simple but beautiful and bold question. This is the question. I want this to be the question that I ask every day of my life. I want this to be the question that you ask every day of your life. Perhaps in this time of crisis, in this time of uncertainty, we might utter this question with more sincerity and authenticity. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Well, how can we see and know Jesus? Jesus tells us. In verse 23, it says, Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This word hour, it's an important word in the Gospel of John. At the very beginning of John's Gospel, at the wedding of Cana, Jesus says that my hour has not yet come. In verse 27, Jesus with troubled soul says, Father, save me from this hour. This is not referring to 60 minutes. This is not a technical term. Jesus is saying the hour, the time has arrived. But the whole reason Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us was for this moment. This is the climax of the gospel story. The whole mission of Jesus is distilled down to this. Jesus was born to die. It is this hour, this time, that the Son of Man, Jesus, will be glorified, lifted up, exalted, made known. Verse 28 says, Jesus says, In this hour, Father, glorify your name. Father, make great, lift up your name. Name means character. Jesus is saying, make great your character. Display and make known to the whole world who you are, Father. Listen, the cross of Jesus, it is the glory of God. The cross of Jesus makes great the character of God. The cross of Christ is how we know who God really is. By the way, this was crazy for the Jews. A would-be Messiah nailed to a cross, the glory of God. It was crazy for Greeks the crucifixion of a man tried as a criminal, the glory of God? It might sound crazy to many of you today. Many people say, what kind of God 
sacrifices his own son. Sounds so primitive. And I think that's a fair question. But you've got to know that Jesus' death on the cross is not pacifying an angry God. Jesus laying down his life is not him trying to persuade a reluctant God to love us. The cross is God's character lifted up. It is his holy justice made known that God must punish the sins of the world. And it's his holy love made known that the wrath of God was absorbed upon his one and only son. The cross was not some last-ditch effort to redeem the world. It was God's plan all along. It's why Jesus says the hour has come, the time has arrived. The whole purpose of Jesus' mission, God glorified through the crucified Son. Now, this doesn't mean it wasn't hard for Jesus. In verse 27, it says that his soul was troubled. And Jesus, on the eve of his death, asked the Father to let this cup pass. He asked for a different way than the cross. And even though this was the plan all along, Jesus dreaded the justice of the Father being poured out on him. Not only that his body would be broken and his blood would be shed, but in that hour, he would be separated from his Father, whom he had known for all eternity. I mean, think about that. Pain and death are closely related. You can read the news about someone that you do not know who dies. And you feel some pain. But then the next day comes and most of us move on. We forget about it. You hear the news of an old childhood friend that you haven't talked to in years who passes away. And it hurts a little more than than someone you don't know. A close friend dies and the pain is deeper. A close family member dies and it's extremely painful. More than any of these, the father, son, and spirit were together before the world was created in a mutual relationship of deep love for one another and now the son is going to be separated through death on a cross no wonder jesus does not want this but it is through the act of the father sending the son and the son laying down his life that we know god loves us that's how we know god loves us Would it comfort you in this season, in this season that nobody wants to be going through, that Jesus endured things he didn't want to go through? And it's okay for us to feel troubled and to be troubled. It's okay for us to cry out. In doing so, let us then look to the cross and know God loves us. God loves you. Look at what God did to show you this, the cross of Jesus. It is the glory of God. This was foolishness to the religious leaders of Jesus' day. It was foolishness to the philosophers of Jesus' day. For it was a different way unto salvation than any religion the world has ever known. I love what John Stott wrote in his book, The Cross of Christ. Listen to this quote. Stott says, I've entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of the Buddha, His legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing around his mouth. But each time, after a while, I've had to turn away. 
and in imagination I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. There is still a question mark against human suffering. But over it, we boldly stamp another mark, the cross, which symbolizes divine suffering. The cross is the path of of the glory of God. It's the center of Christianity. The cross is how we see and how we know God. In our passage, Jesus also teaches that the glory of humanity comes as we live a cross-shaped life, a cruciformed life. Jesus uses a parable, a kind of a parable to drive this point home in verse 24 to 26. Look with me in verse 24. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If we want to find true life, if we want to live fully, Jesus tells us to die, that glory is found in giving our lives away. This is so counter to the way in which many of us have been raised. We are taught to pursue what we want, to find meaning in being our truest and best selves, to live for the freedom that is determined by you and you alone. The reality is that everyone wants glory. Everyone longs for meaning purpose, freedom, wholeness. There's nothing wrong with wanting these things. The question is, where do you look for it? Jesus says you find this life by giving your life away. And on the flip side, if you love your life here too much, you will lose this life of glory that we all long for. If we serve our own desires, pursue our personal success, if we love our comfort, our collection of money, our reputation, we will never find the life that we were created for. Jesus is teaching us the glory of humanity, the meaning, purpose, freedom that we all long for comes through death. Another way to say this is that that humble obedience to God in relationship with God leads to glory. Humble obedience to God in relationship with God leads to glory. Now, I can hear many of you saying, I don't always want humble obedience. I don't always want to give my life away. I hear you. I I say that sometimes too. But let us remember, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He understands our struggle. And in our struggle, let us then look to the cross, the glory of God, and let it lead us to walk the path of glory this humble obedience with God. There are two practical things that I want to tell you about what it means to die, to live this cruciformed life of glory. The first is that we're to die to self through confession and repentance. And there's a war that wages within all of us, and it is the war for whose glory we live for the most, our glory or God's glory. In the, in the Netflix documentary, Tiger King, that is wildly popular, and is a series that I confess the Masons blew through this past week. It's an inside look at people who love and have a fascination with exotic big cats. And 
in this documentary, there are multiple characters. Joe Exotic, who put together his GW Zoo with hundreds of wild exotic cats. Doc Antle put his zoo together in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina with hundreds of cats. Carol Baskin put together her big cat rescue with hundreds of cats. All three of these, they're different, different people, different owners, different staff, different purposes. But in one episode, the, the filmmaker, I think, purposefully tells the story in such a way that you realize that all three of these characters are about building big cat kingdoms for their own glory. They all want to be great. They all want to be known. And, and they gather people around them that make them feel like a king or a, que- or a queen. See, it's tempting for all of us to seek to build our own kingdoms. And Jesus is teaching us that if we live for our glory, if we live for our personal glory projects, our personal achievement, our success, our reputation, our comfort, when we value our life here on earth, we will lose the life that matters. Let me say here that it is not in your great successes in this life that you find yourself healing and becoming whole. But I would say that Jesus is teaching in our passage that it is precisely in your losses, in the hard times, in your suffering, that we become whole. For it is in these times Jesus leads us to die to our glory projects and live into the fullness of the life he offers. This pandemic, it is causing suffering on us personally, in our country, and in our world in ways that none of us ever knew would happen. This is why I've been saying I I really believe that God is graciously and lovingly stripping away the things that we lean on to build our own kingdoms. Success and money and comfort, it is the time that I believe we might really see Jesus. Dying to self, it is the constant step of confession and repentance, confessing sin, confessing a desire to be great, confessing a desire to build our own kingdoms. This confession, it must be constant because the sin and this desire within our heart is constant. We daily repent of the sin of of living for our own glory. We daily kill the weed of sin that's growing within our hearts by confessing our tendency to live for our own glory. And this death, it is the precondition of a fruitful life. As we die to sin through repentance, that fruit that comes by faith in Jesus is able to grow within our hearts. In our confession and repentance, we then turn and we can see Jesus, the one crucified because he loved us so much. He saw our tendency to to build our own kingdoms. He saw our tendency to love our life here on earth more than our, our life with him, and he willingly laid down his life and death on a cross so that we can be forgiven so that we can know because of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, everything that is true of him is true of us right now. Not one day will be, but already is true of us by faith, that we are loved, we are adopted sons and daughters, we are eternally secure. In our repentance, we see Jesus and we put on our new identity. We are in Christ. By faith, we are in him. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Is this your question? And confess the ways that you live for your own glory and trust him. Repent and believe
the constant two steps we are to take to live a life of glory. The other way to die to self, practical way that I want to tell you is through serving others. Through serving others. Christianity has always been marked by men and women who are willing to serve until it hurts or costs them their very life. We must understand ourselves as the community of the cross, a community that suffers with compassion, a community willingly bearing the mark of cruciform service to others. That's why I've been saying over the past few weeks that in this time of pandemic, it is the time for the church to rise up. Now is the time for us to give our lives away, dying to our selfish desires and to seek the welfare and the flourishing of others. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Then be an active participant in the mission of God. Die to self and serve with humility and compassion, and you will see and know more deeply Jesus, the one who gave his life away for the sake of the world. This past week or a week ago on NPR, there was a story told about a woman named Lillian Bloodworth. Lillian is 92 years old, and she tells the story about remembering having pneumonia before the age of three. She remembers being in the hospital lying next to her brother, who was giving blood for her to have a blood transfusion. This helped her to survive, survive pneumonia. She then told the story of when her son needed a blood transfusion after an accident. He went in for surgery and received a lot of blood. And Lillian made the decision after these two times in her life that she would thenceforth and forevermore donate blood. Now, blood banks require a minimum of 56 days between blood donations for a person. So Lillian made a decision to donate blood every 56 days, not one day shorter, she said. She said that the doctors in the blood bank would ask her if her name really was Lillian Bloodworth or if this was just a gimmick for the blood bank. Every 56 days, she donated blood. She's now 92 years old. They will no longer allow Lillian to give blood because she needs it more than others. But in her lifetime, she gave over 23 gallons of blood church in this time of crisis there are growing needs there will be many shortages there will be ways that we can provide resources in this time of crisis there are people being discriminated against many Asian and Asian American brothers and sisters right now there will be times and ways that we can stand up and fight for justice in this time of crisis there will be people emotionally and mentally distraught there will be ways that we can be a voice an ear a comforter. Let us give ourselves away for the sake of those in need. For in doing so, we see and know Jesus and we make Jesus known. Jesus in verse 32 says, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. As the community of the cross, we display Jesus crucified, lifted up as we give ourselves away. We point to the cross of Jesus as we walk our own path of glory by bearing the sufferings of the world. Right now is a time in our world where many people are asking and searching around faith. They're asking questions. They're asking, we wish to see Jesus. We, we want to know who Jesus is. May the world see his people dying to self in confession and repentance and rejoicing in the cross. And may the world see his people dying to self in service to others. Jesus is the king 
of his kingdom. The crown of thorns and the wooden cross were his coronation. The inauguration of his loving rule and reign. And hear me, Jesus is the Christ. He not was the Christ, Jesus is the Christ. He didn't live just to be an example for us. Lillian Bloodworth is an example. Jesus is the living Christ who gave his blood for us while we were still sinners and who gives us life still today. He is the one whose blood forgives our sin daily and whose blood welcomes all who will believe and become sons and daughters in the family of God. Jesus does not retire. Jesus never stops giving. His love is always and forever. Without the death of a seed, there is no crop, our passage says. Without the death of Christ, there is no worldwide gathering called the church. 2020, may it not just be the year of COVID-19. May it be the year that we talk about when we're 70, 80, and 90, that the world saw Jesus and followed Jesus Sir, we wish to see Jesus. That is the question. Is it yours? Look to the cross. It is the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord God, I I ask that you would help us to see Jesus. Would we look to the cross and see how much you love us? Would we see the cross displaying and making great who our God really is? That while we were turned away, even today, while we still live for our own glory and our own kingdoms, you constantly pursue us. You laid your life down to draw us into a life of fullness and wholeness, meaning and purpose and freedom, a life of glory, a life that we all long for, that we were created for. You've shown us can only be found in you. So would 2020 be a year that we really see and know Christ? Would it be a year in which the world sees and knows Christ? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.